presence. Just go ahead anytime. Well, Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your glory that's here. Lord, I pray over every person that's going to be listening to this. There's people that are here, people that are going to hear this through the internet, maybe through a CD, however they get this. It's a divine appointment, whoever it is. But Lord, we pray that the blood of Jesus be over this time. Lord, let your Holy Spirit even right now invade and fill every life and every person that's going to be listening and watching. And Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit even now this may be listened to years from now, but the Holy Spirit would release a fresh anointing and would captivate people and get them locked in to where they can see and hear and perceive and not be distracted. I ask that the Holy Spirit give eyes to see and ears to hear and make good fertile soil of hearts and minds. And Lord, that by your Spirit you would speak through me words of life and truth that will go out of my mouth as living seeds of truth sown into good fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives of water by the Spirit of God that will take root, grow, and produce 100-fold harvest, 100-fold of eternal fruit that remains, not temporal, but eternal fruit. And Lord, let it be burned in and written into the tables of our heart, your word that will never be the same. And Lord, confirm your word tonight. Set people free. Bring breakthroughs. Lord, where people's faith needs to come up, let it come up. Lord, we thank you for it and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, the Lord's been really touching me today powerfully. All right, so I've been doing a series called Seductions of Satan. And what it is, a series on spiritual warfare and deliverance and about some about the end times. And in these last days, we're going to face some things. You guys just get ready. I'm saying this prophetically, but I'm telling you, those that are part of the group here, the core group, there's prophecies hanging over us that are about to be fulfilled. And there's a harvest, there's an effective door. And God is, is doing a deep work. He's, he's doing a deep work in people's hearts and minds and lives so that the enemy doesn't have an inroad. Amen? Amen. And something's on the horizon. Even when we go out of town to the conference coming up, the Lord is going to move powerfully. There's something significant there. Man, I just feel the Lord so strong. All right. So let me give you a few things. As I've been doing this series, I've been covering a tremendous amount of information. And if you want to go back and look at it, this is like part 13. So if you haven't heard the first 12, then I'm picking up there where we left off. But I want to give you a few points before I get into the word. One is, how many knows that God will put us through processes? Throughout our lives. You kind of see a picture of that whenever Jeremiah talked about the potter's house. And he would take the clay and he would mold the clay. And then whenever there was a marred area or whatever, he would destroy that and start over. Now you know, you guys and I know that the Lord will put you through processes and he knows exactly what you need. And it's kind of like whenever somebody goes to the doctor or whatever, and the doctor's like, okay, he starts poking, he says, does this hurt? Does this hurt? Does this hurt? And then, no! You know, and it's like, <laughs> that's Jesus right there. <laughs> He's like, there's the problem. Let's fix that. <laughs> so something I've learned about going through the process is, Ask the Lord what He's trying to teach you. The quicker you learn what He's trying to teach you, the quicker you're going to get through the process. That was a pearl of wisdom right there. Uh, hopefully you got that. So let me say it one more time. The quicker you learn whatever it is God's trying to teach you, the quicker you'll get through the process. And if you don't learn it, you'll just keep going around and around the mountain. Here we go. <laughs> Until you learn it. Amen. Alright, so the reason, listen, the reason for many delays sometimes in prayer, the Lord, it's not denials. Especially when you're dealing with things Jesus paid for you to have on the cross. You're not talking about denials from the Lord. But the reason why there's delays many times is because the Lord is trying to develop and increase our faith. Because as you get into the Word and you keep speaking the Word over and over and over and over and you keep getting into the Word, what happens is, is that your faith level is getting strengthened. It's just like lifting weights. 
You know, you take some kind of like a dumbbell or whatever and you start lifting that and your muscles will get toned and strengthened and then you'll go to the next amount of weight. And then your muscles will get toned and strengthened and then you'll go to the next amount of weight. And it's the same thing with faith. As you exercise your faith, then you're going to go to the next level. So it's not that the Lord is denying things, especially when it comes to things He paid for on the cross. He's not going to deny prayer. But it's that He may be trying to develop your faith and increase your faith. The Lord knows the level of faith that we all need to fulfill our destiny. And He knows 10 years from now, 15, 20 years from now, what you're going to face in life. And so He knows the level of faith you're going to need 20 years from now. And he's trying to develop your faith up to that place. So whenever you get there, 20 years from now, you're ready and you have the level of faith you need to conquer. Amen? That is for some people. Those two things I just said are for somebody. The next thing is, the more important a relationship in life, the more Satan will attack that relationship. Let me say that again. The more important a relationship in life, the more important Satan will attack that relationship. So if God has put somebody in your life and it's significant and it's important, I guarantee you the devil will will attack it and the level of importance in your life will determine the level of the attack because the enemy is trying to divide. Another thing is, um, I got this, this phrase from another minister called Satan's crowbar, but the enemy will try to pry you out of the will of God. So if you're supposed to be somewhere, then the enemy is going to do everything within his power to break out his crowbar and try to pry you right out of that place. And I mean, he'll do anything he can. So if you have a significant relationship in your life, it's important in your life, the enemy will attack that relationship. And if you're supposed to be somewhere and it's God, then the enemy will try everything he can to get you out of there. This is good. Remember that. And let me tell you another little pearl of wisdom before I move on. This is important. Is You need to focus on how big and how powerful Jesus is. And don't get focused on things about the enemy too much. Because a lot of times, people go through things in life. And they get their focus on what the enemy is doing. Now, there's nothing wrong with recognizing it and rebuking it and all of that. And I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about getting your focus on it. Because the Bible says it gives us at least some kind of a, a picture and some kind of a pattern with God. Whenever it talked about in Corinthians, it says that we go from glory to glory beholding the Lord. And so as you're looking at Jesus and you're beholding Him, you're going from glory to glory. But whatever you're staring at, will begin to influence your life. I remember the, the example I've given before where Lot, you know, remember Lot in the Bible pitched his tent facing Sodom. Next thing you know, he's facing Sodom. Next thing you know, he's in Sodom. And then pretty soon, he pretty much lost his whole family in one way or another to the perversions of Sodom. And it started out with what he was focused on. So if you're focused on the enemy and what he's doing, it has a tendency to make the enemy look bigger and more powerful than he really is. So do whatever you need to do to keep your focus on Jesus. No matter how difficult the spiritual warfare is you're going through. You may feel like the winds of resistance are about to blow the shirt off your back. You may feel like, man, I can't take any more of this. And here you are, you're having to do what the Bible says and just get planted in doing all to stand. But even in those times, don't get focused on the enemy. Those are the times to look up. Those are the times to get focused on Jesus and how powerful He is and the victory He gave you at the cross. Okay, So I do, I do some teaching and things on spiritual warfare and deliverance and it's just part of my calling and that's the this, this season right now of, of series I've been doing. But I don't want people in any way to get focused on the enemy. Okay, He is defeated. Amen. Amen. He is. So, today I want to talk about turning things around, reversing a curse, turning things around. All of us have things in our lives, there's patterns, there's, there's direction, 
there's momentum, there's things that, that have been started, and it's something that's a pattern that you want to see change. How many have had something in your life? It could be a health problem, it could be mental, emotional, psychological, you know, relation, whatever, financial, but there's something in your life that you look at and go, you know, I want that pattern to stop. That's a pattern. There's something there that has been continuing for some time and I want to stop. Well, that's kind of what I'm going to deal with today because the Lord also wants it to stop. When Jesus died on the cross, I've taught on this a lot, but when he died on the cross, he paid not only for our sin, but he paid for your transgression and your iniquity. Remember me talking about those three things. He also paid for sickness by his stripes. He paid for sickness. And he also paid for your complete deliverance. It was all a package deal. And I think a lot of times people get tunnel vision about their sins being forgiven, but they don't realize it was the same Jesus, the same cross, and the same time that sickness was paid for and deliverance was paid for in full. So when I say it's paid for, what that means is when you become a Christian, it's in your bank account. But the only way you can get it out of your bank account and into your life is by faith. That's it. It's in the bank account. Jesus paid for it. But the way that we get what he paid for is through faith. That's why it's so important that we go from faith to faith. I want to have more faith today than I did last year. But I want to look back next year and say, you know, I have more faith now. I want, I want my faith to be growing the rest of my life. And I want the anointing to keep increasing. You know where a lot of people get off is, is they start camping out in their comfort zone. They, they get a breakthrough. They start seeing revival. They start seeing a few people healed or whatever. And then they decide, you know, I have arrived. And they pitch their little tent, they put up their little umbrella, you know, and make their little campfire, and that's where they stay. They never go on to anything else. And so once that season runs its course, now they're in a spiritual desert. Because the Lord has moved on. The pattern in the Old Testament is the same as the new in this area, but the pattern was to follow the Lord in His presence and His glory. Because in the tabernacle, the children of Israel... Whenever the cloud would lift or the fire would lift or whatever and go, they would follow the cloud. That was the glory. And if any, you know, family decided at any time, you know, we're not going to keep following the glory. I mean, you could just see everybody else marching on and here they, they've pitched their little tent in the desert. And the glory has gone on without them. And that's what, that's what happens with a lot of people. How many knows in the Lord... It's a continual movement from glory to glory. And the Lord is always moving. There's always life. There's always a flow. And any time that you get stagnant, see a river is always moving. So if you're moving with the Lord, you're always in a continual place of moving. You're going from one place to the next, glory to glory, faith to faith, revelation to revelation. You're going deeper. You're, you're growing in the Lord. There's new things. There's new things He's doing. But any time that, that dries up, it's, instead of being a river, now it's becoming like a pond, spiritually. And a pond starts producing death. And so what happens is people, people find themselves in a spiritual place of death. And there's a lack of a flow. And in these last days, not only are we going to have to have faith... But we're going to have to have a fresh anointing. And we're going to have to be in revival. Amen? Alright, so let me get into what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about breaking curses and moving into blessings. Now again, Jesus paid for your healing. He paid for your deliverance. It's paid for at the cross. And it's time to take these things into a place of victory. Crossing the Jordan. Amen? Crossing the Jordan into a spiritual promised land. Now, when people get saved, a lot of times they bring into their Christianity baggage. Many of you know that. And the Lord has to sanctify them, and the Lord has to set them free from things. 
and the Lord has to heal them up from their past. They've been, they need inner healing. They need deliverance. And this is kind of what I'm talking about. But whenever you come into Christ, your sins are forgiven, and that's wonderful. It's washed away in the blood. But many times people have to get free and freed up from their past and the power of things that have attached itself to them from their past and generationally. And I've seen this over and over. I've seen people that many, many times, many, I, there's people in this, in this room, that, you know, for example, you know, I use sometimes Rachel as an example, but who's to say that Rachel would even be alive right now because God healed her through deliverance, not, not just the prayer of faith. It was deliverance. God delivered her from some things, and, it, and the result of that was cancer and hepatitis C left. But see, there's something about healing, but there's also something about deliverance. And when Jesus dealt with people, he came to set the captives free. And it says in Acts 10.38 that God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went around doing good, healing all oppressed of the devil. And so whenever he would confront these things in people's lives, sometimes it was just healing. Sometimes it was deliverance. And sometimes the deliverance would produce a healing. And sometimes the deliverance would produce mental healing, like the demoniac that was insane, running around naked and in tombs, cutting himself. And he was obviously mentally ill. And when Jesus delivered him of demonic spirits, he was in his right mind. And so let me give you a few things. In the Bible, it talks about blessings and curses. I've taught so much on blessings. You know, I'm not going to go back and go into that too much, but there's this, let me give you some signs. This is just something that I put together, but some signs of a curse on someone's life. It could be that somebody is living in chronic health problems or stubborn illnesses or incurable diseases, and that could be a sign of a curse. I'm not saying it always is, but it could be. Somebody might be living in continual stubborn financial lack and poverty. And it could be a sign of a curse. They could have continual relationship problems in their family or even beyond. But it has to do with division, discord, strife in a home or divorce. But just continual relationship problems. That's obviously in the family structure. I'm put, you know, like strife in the home and divorce. But it can also be in other places where they just there's something going on in their life that tears up relationships. Another thing, another sign of a possible curse is sterility in the area of barrenness or miscarriages. Another thing can be unexplained accidents that keep happening. I've heard some crazy stories. You know, when you're in the ministry, you feel like you hear it all, you know, but I've heard some crazy stories unexplained accidents that kept happening in somebody's life or it kept happening to a family. It was just weird. Another thing is suicidal tendencies or living in failure or defeat in life. Another sign could be being passed over for promotion when you should have had it, but somebody else got the promotion. Another sign of a curse could be a sense of foreboding fear or gloom about life. It's like somebody just has this sense of something negative and, and fearful and a gloom that seems to hang over them like a dark cloud following them around. You guys ever seen Charlie Brown? Wasn't that on there when that cloud followed that kid around? It's just like they have this cloud that just seems to follow them spiritually. Every time, here's another sign of a curse, every time somebody feels like they're getting ahead in life, something pulls them back down. So it's like they finally get a breakthrough and they finally get ahead. They seem to get a job, they seem to, to, to you know, get a breakthrough in one area and another area, and all of a sudden, they're doing good, and it seems like this invisible hand comes out of nowhere and just grabs them by the back of their pants and pulls them right back down. That's a sign of a curse. Also being stuck in a negative cycle or a rut in life. You just feel like there's a negative cycle. Just a cycle that keeps going. Another sign of a curse could be confinement or containment. I've been praying a lot about that lately with people. But 
anytime that somebody should be doing more and doing better in life than what they are, it seems like something is surrounded them and it's trying to confine and contain the like the fullness of what God has for their life, but they're living beneath that. Something is confining. Now, it's not a complete, total restriction where there's no movement, but it seems like it's only maybe at a 30-fold and it should be at a 100-fold. You know, it's just, it's just confined. It's hindered. That's definitely a sign of a curse. So these are just some things that I jotted down, and it, it's connected to the rest of what I'm going to talk about. But just to give you some things to think about, do you see this pattern in your life, or do you see any of these patterns in your family? Let me say this. We, and as far as the Bible is concerned, we are called to be overcomers. And what that means is, to overcome something means that there's something there, it's an obstacle, but you overcome that obstacle. Amen. And so, there may be some of these obstacles that's there, but we're called to overcome them. And what I want to say also is this. Don't leave it for the next generation. Don't leave it for your kids to have to deal with it. You deal with it. If it's, especially if it's generational, you get the breakthrough. You see the victory. And you get the victory not just for yourself, but for your kids and your grandkids. I'm going to give you some biblical curses and blessings. But in the Bible, the number nine has to do with judgment. And there's nine categories of curses listed in Deuteronomy 28 and Leviticus 26. But one of my favorite scriptures in the New Testament is Galatians 3.13 through 16, that area. And it talks about Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for you. For it's written, cursed is anyone who's hung on a tree. He re- he redeemed you so the blessings given to Abraham will come on you as a Gentile and you'll receive the Spirit by faith. So I'm going to give you some of the curses are in the law. But it's also the same as 1 Peter 2.24 where it says that um, Christ bore in his body our sin that we can die to sin. Now how many people have completely died to sin? See, there's a lot of people that get saved but they haven't got to that place yet. And that's okay because the Lord will take you there. The Lord will take you there. There's a sanctifying work of the Spirit. And there's a washing of the water of the Word. So there's things that were paid for at the cross. Paid in full. But you've got to overcome. You've got to move beyond the struggles of sin into victory. Beyond the areas of deliverance into freedom. But also 1 Peter 2.24 says that by His stripes you were healed. So beyond the sickness into health. These things were paid for at the cross. Amen. It was. And I don't want to settle for anything less than what Jesus paid for me to have. Did you ever think about the fact that it's a reward for His suffering? That while He was taking the stripes on His back, and He suffered that bad, and you guys have seen the Passion of the Christ, you know how much He suffered... But it's a reward for his suffering and what he went through whenever he sees people healed. It's a reward for his suffering on the cross when he sees people come to him and get saved. And it's a reward for him hanging up there and shedding his blood when he sees people getting delivered. But deliverance and breakthrough come by the mighty anointing of the Holy Ghost. That's why in Romans it says the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. And He will give life to your body. Amen? He lives in you. And He gives life to your body. And the Spirit of God that's in you will also give you breakthroughs, not only in your life, but through you. But the anointing that's in you will bring breakthroughs in your life. Areas where you've struggled with sin, the fire that's in you will burn up what needs to go. Areas where you've had, where you needed deliverance, the anointing will strengthen you and take you up to a place to where you're overcoming these things. It will strengthen your faith. So what's in you, the Spirit of God within you, will take you to a place of victory. 
And the, the only reason why that would ever be stopped, it's a, sometimes it's a process in people that can take some time, but the only reason it would ever be stopped is that people get out of faith and they get into accepting the defeat. You can never get to a place where you accept defeat. But many people do. They go to church and say, well, you know, I've been praying about this. I haven't seen the total victory. So they just begin to come up with doctrines that state basically that, well, I guess it's not God's will. If it's not God's will, then why did Jesus go through all the trouble and the pain and the suffering to pay for it on the cross? It doesn't even make sense. Why would God the Father put him through that? So don't settle for defeat. Whatever Jesus paid for you to have, keep going after it. Because it is yours and it will come. Sometimes it's a deliverance, sometimes it's a healing, but whatever it is, God will take you to that place of victory. Alright, so the nine categories of curses in the Bible is listed in Deuteronomy 28, Leviticus 26. It's humiliation, barrenness or unfruitfulness, that's infertility. Mental breakdown, which has to do with insanity or mental illness. Physical breakdown, which is sickness or disease. Family breakdown, which has to do with divorce, strife, family alienation. Poverty and famine. Defeat. Oppression. Failure. And disfavor. I'm sorry, there's nine categories. And disfavor. But if you look at the same Deuteronomy 28, Leviticus 26, you also see that there are seven categories of blessings that are laid out as well. And these are the blessings, if you will, that were on Abraham. Think about how this encompasses your whole life. Exaltation and promotion. That's being the head, not the tail, top, not the bottom, that God raises you up. He promotes you. He exalts you. Divine health. Prosperity and abundance. It's God's will that we prosper and do well. Reproductiveness. The ability to have children. Favor with God and man. Long life. And victory over your enemies. The number seven has to do with perfection. So those are the seven categories of blessings. So God is wanting to move us out of any type of a curse and move us into blessings. And basically what I'm going to talk about today is how do you actually do that? How do you get beyond things? Because it sounds good. You can preach something like this and people get full of faith. They get excited. But how do you practically apply this and get on the other side? That's the question. So let me give you a few things that will hinder that. We all want to go from any type of a curse or a lack. We all want to get out of that pattern and move into the blessings. Amen. We all do. But let me give you some things that will actually hinder that from taking place. These are things I haven't talked about up to this point. So let me just run through them. But number one is stealing from God. You know. I don't talk a lot about this, but you know, the Bible does say that the tithe belongs to the Lord. You know, I never regret tithing. I've I've tithed for years. I grew up tithing. My my family has always tithed. And I've always tithed. But you know, there's a blessing connected to tithing. It says that God will rebuke the devourer and open the floodgates of heaven, pour out blessings. You can't contain all of that. It's, It's a link to tithing. But there's also an aspect of when people refuse to tithe, that they don't understand it. But in Malachi, it shows that it's actually taking and stealing from God. So that that money actually belongs to the Lord, but somebody's taking it and spending it for themselves. And that can actually hinder. Here somebody is that in their life, I'm going to give you a practical example. In their life, they see in their family that it seems like there's a curse of poverty. They look at their family and their family is struggling. They themselves have tried to you know, get jobs or whatever and they find themselves always, it's like they're praying about it and they're shooting this level, but they always seem to end up on this level financially. And it's frustrating to them. They feel like that, that there's holes in their pockets, so to speak. 
that they'll get money but it disappears that it just seems like things keep happening the car will break down it shouldn't have happened the roof will spring a leak it shouldn't have happened and it's frustrating to them and they want to get beyond any type of generational curse or any curse in their life of poverty they want to get beyond it they want to move into blessings they want to be blessed not only so that their life can be more peaceful but also so that they can be a blessing to other people and give to others so what can hinder Jesus paid for their freedom at the cross but one of the things that can actually hinder them from moving into the fullness of that blessing is they refuse to tithe amen another thing that can hinder people from moving into the fullness of everything Jesus paid for them to have is anti-Semitism and racism specifically though I want to talk about anti-Semitism which is um, a hatred toward Jewish people the Bible says that God will bless those that bless Israel and curse those that curse Israel and so our response to Israel to the Jewish people has significance if you're going to bless them God will bless you but if you're going to curse them you will be cursed and people may wonder why things aren't going their way but you know one of the things that can form a generational curse is anti-semitism so think about it was that in your family and I would say racism in general another thing that can hinder you from moving into the fullness of what God has for you is self-imposed curses by our own mouth how many knows that our own mouth can get us in the biggest trouble I've talked a lot about this but what I want you to see is this James says that the mouth is like you have this huge just picture this huge ocean liner okay and but in the back you've got this rudder and compared to the ocean liner the rudder is very small and that's like your tongue now your tongue starts going and the direction that your tongue is going if it's negative or if it's positive if it's life if it's death if it's blessings if it's curses whichever way you choose to go that rudder is going to turn and just like that ocean liner your life is going to take that turn and people say sometimes the most foolish things without even thinking about it here they are maybe dealing with a generational curse maybe of sickness and then if you listen to them they keep speaking it over themselves they keep talking about how sick they are and well I guess whenever the flu goes around I guess I'll get you know they keep saying stuff but they're gonna be the ones that get it if something goes bad it'll be them if somebody gets sick it'll be them and they keep speaking stuff and you know what it happens because of their own mouth brought it about your mouth is linked to the spirit realm it releases life or death so I want you to picture you remember as a kid you would take those little bubble blowers you know you dip them in soapy water and go around blowing it well, what you gotta understand is your 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 words of your mouth are just like that it goes out of your mouth and you don't see it but in the spirit realm it's like these bubbles that come out and when they burst they either release life and blessing or they release death and curses the atmosphere of your house is affected by the words of your mouth and the words of what you let come through your TV because words have power man I feel the anointing <laughs> I'm trying to, to gird up under this is it God just touched me today okay so just bear with me all right the self-imposed curses and you know what I'm gonna deal with this here in a moment but you can turn so much around with your mouth you can you can turn so much around let me give you a few more things that can hinder another thing is in the area of Loshan Hara and what this is in the Hebrew it means evil speaking and there's a curse in the Bible in Deuteronomy 27 24 and it has to do with a talebearer because it is somebody that smites their neighbor in secret if you go up and you smite your neighbor he's gonna know you did it okay you go up and strike him on the face this striking your neighbor in secret has to do with gossip it has to do with slander and that's the curse of Loshan Hara and it's a real curse 
People that have come under this curse that are gossips, they're slanderers, watch their life and remember this. But usually what you'll see is they have a lot of health problems. They have a lot of weight problems. They have a lot of medical bills. And they also have a lot of family problems in their own life where family members, there's strife there. That's usually what you'll see in a curse of Loshan Hara or those things. That is connected to gossip and slander. So what's gossip? Gossip is you telling somebody else's business to somebody that is just none of their business. Amen. And so if you get privy to information, just keep it to yourself. You know, take it to the Lord in prayer, but you going around passing it around as a talebearer. It's you've got information, a juicy piece of gossip, a morsel that you've picked up and now you're going around telling everybody that somebody else's business and that's a talebearer that's smiting your neighbor in secret and it's listen it's serious in God's eyes slander is when you run somebody down behind their back these things can hinder you from moving into the fullness of what God has for you Jesus paid for your freedom he's wanting you to break out of old patterns and move into the fullness of his blessings. But these things can actually hinder that. And can keep you back in bondage. Another thing is ungodly anger. I've seen this travel down family bloodlines. I really have. I've seen this. It travels down family lines. Genesis 49.7 talks about cursed be their anger. This has to do with losing the temper. Rages. Outburst of anger. And a lot of times, you know what, whenever people lose their temper or whatever, they end up saying things and doing things that really hurt somebody. And you know what, in a rage or an outburst of anger, sometimes a family member can say something to another family member that wounds them. And even though they go back the next day and say, I'm really sorry, I shouldn't have said that, and they're forgiven, it's good, that process of them being healed from the wound can sometimes take a long time. And those patterns try to cycle down family lines. I've I've literally seen this where it tries to travel down family lines of anger. And I've seen spirits literally of hate, anger, and rage. And I've seen people set free from it. Another thing is witchcraft control. Galatians 5.19 calls witchcraft a, um, a work of the flesh. How many of you, you say witchcraft and you're thinking of some, you know, long bent nose woman, you know, in a pointy hat and all of that. But witchcraft in the Bible is not necessarily that at all. I mean, it is as far as, you know, spell casting and all that. But witchcraft boils down to control. And somebody that is using words and prayers to try to control another person. I remember hearing the story of a pastor's wife that got deathly sick and through prayer and fasting, there was some intercessory woman in the church that was interceding and praying for her death, believing that the pastor could do better. And so she really believed she was praying the will of God. Everybody say witchcraft. That's witchcraft right there. Because you're praying something that's not the will of God. When you pray, you need to pray the will of God. Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done. You pray the will of God. But that woman was being used of the devil to intercede and pray a curse. And it actually released spirits against that pastor's wife of death. And that's witchcraft. And you know what? Sometimes you come under that type of attack. But be sure that you're not controlling somebody else. And you're not letting somebody else control you in an ungodly way. That can keep you back from the fullness of the freedom Jesus paid for you to have. The Lord is not in all that control business like that. But demonic spirits are. Another thing that can hinder is oppressing or harming the innocent. Did you know in the Bible that God really truly hates when people oppress or hurt an innocent defenseless type person? Did you know God hated that so much that it says in the Bible, cursed be the man. That causes a blind person to wander off the road. You know why? Because it's oppressing somebody that's defenseless. Somebody that's blind doesn't know where they're going. They need somebody to help them around. 
but then somebody goes along and tries to cause them to wander off and get lost. That type of stuff, actually God hates that, and it grieves the Holy Spirit. What is more defenseless than a baby in a womb? But yet people oppress and harm the innocent through abortion, shed innocent blood. So any way that people are using a position they have to oppress or harm defenseless, innocent people. You know, sometimes you hear about these criminals that they may target an elderly person's house because they know that they're defenseless, and they'll go in there and beat them half to death. That's oppressing the defenseless, okay? That's the type of behavior I'm talking about. Another thing that can hinder you from moving into the fullness of what Jesus paid for you is unforgiveness. And that's a big one. Unforgiveness is not an option. I think a lot of times people get saved and because before they were saved, they forgave whoever they wanted and they didn't really care about it. But once you get saved, it's no longer an option. You have to forgive. If you don't forgive, then the Bible says your sins are not pardoned. And you know what? The only way we're going to get into heaven is our sins being pardoned. I don't care what anybody says. Unforgiveness can keep you out. It can. People just flat refuse. And you'll see some people that held on to unforgiveness. And as they get older in years, they get bitter and angry. And sick. They have health problems. Unforgiveness is a poison. Listen, deal with it. It may be hurtful. Sometimes you go through betrayals and feel like, will I ever really get healed from this? I've been there. But you will. Just forgive them and get through the other side of it. Pray for them, bless them, and do what you know to do about forgiving, and God will heal you. But unforgiveness will block the blessing of God from flowing in your life. Another thing is legalism. As you go through life as a Christian, there's a road. The Bible, Jesus calls it a narrow road, but there's a road that is a path of life. It's a, it's a path of righteousness, but it's a literal path. It's a road. Now, on each side of this road, you've got lawlessness over here, and you've got legalism over here. And let me explain this. Lawlessness is anything goes. There's no rules. People are rebellious. They do whatever they want to do, and they think that God's just going to you know, wink at it. It doesn't work like that. But then you've got legalism on the other side, where people are really uptight and rigid, it's all about rules, it's all about formula, and it's a religious spirit. This is good. But legalism can put somebody in bondage and keep them from the freedom that Jesus paid for them to have. The Lord doesn't want you living in fear. He doesn't want you living in fear. He wants us to be so in love with Him that we're willing to give up whatever sin we need to. Because we love Him. It's not because somebody's browbeating you, but it's because you love the Lord. That's the motive. See, when you, here's how it works. When you first come to Jesus, remember this because it seems sometimes like scriptures, it's like, how does it fit together? I'm going to show you something. When you first come to the Lord as a baby Christian, Jesus teaches us, he says, don't fear the one that can just kill your body. But fear the one that can kill your body and throw you into hell. In other words, fear God. And then in Proverbs it says, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So you look at that, and then you look at a scripture that says perfect love drives out fear. And you're thinking, how does this connect? The way it connects is this. When you first become a Christian, God knows that there needs to be a healthy fear of God in your life to get all that sin out. Amen? It's just like when you're a kid. You know, little kids have a, when they have good parents, there's a healthy fear of the spanking. All right. So, there's, there's a healthy fear. But the more that you fall in love with Jesus and the more you grow spiritually, the less that fear is needed because now you're living righteous because you love Him. Do you see how it works now? So, perf as your love is perfected, it begins to cast fear out. But true Christianity has to do with obeying God, but it has to do with obeying God because you love Him. That's true Christianity. That you get beyond the other areas of fear, but you move into a real relationship. But it needs to have that healthy fear. At the beginning, I'm going to tell you, because we have a lot of people out there that are playing games with God's grace, and there's no fear of God. 
And they're going to end up in hell dying in their sin because there's no fear of God. So there is a place for it. That's why the Bible calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of wisdom, revelation, counsel, might, knowledge. And what else? The fear of the Lord. So when the Holy Spirit comes, He cleans you up. But the thing is, as ministers, you have to let the Holy Spirit do the work. If you try to clean somebody up, it's not going to work that well. Now you can preach the truth and, and all of that. You need to do that. You've got to preach the truth. But ultimately, the Holy Spirit is the one who's actually got to clean people up. And when legalism comes in, it's a religious spirit. It becomes all about a certain set of rules. It's real rigid. And it's real condemning. People feel like they'll never measure up. And they end up feeling like a whipped puppy. Like, you know, how can I ever do something for the Lord? And they just feel like a piece of garbage. That's a religious spirit. That's not the Holy Spirit. He doesn't do that to people. Another thing that can hinder you from the fullness of what Jesus paid for you to have is dishonoring parents, biological or spiritual parents. So how do you honor parents? Honoring parents has to do with obviously doing things for them and taking care of them and loving them and all of that. You young people, listen to me. But it also has to do with respecting, showing respect for your parents. It also has to do with living a life that's going to bring them honor. It's living in a way that's going to honor them. Now some of them, parents sometimes, they're total non-Christians and total heathen. And they may not understand what God's doing in your life. But by you living a righteous life, by you living a life free from sin and living righteous, it's still bringing them honor whether they realize it or not. You know, the Bible says if you honor your parents, things will go well for you. And you'll live long on the earth. See, honoring also spiritual parents that have gone on before you. I remember during revivals, I would hear some of the, the people that were used so powerfully would honor, publicly talking about and honoring the past moves of God and past leaders of revivals. Like maybe a William Seymour or somebody, they were honoring them and talking about, by honoring their spiritual parents, they were actually causing things to go well for them in that revival and causing it to have longevity. But if they were to dishonor them, it could actually hinder. So moving into longevity and things going well for you has to do with honoring your parents. Now I remember, for example, how much... You know, I'm just picking somebody out of the crowd. I could probably do this with several. But I remember back when you know Jill's mother took ill and just how much she took care of her mom. That's honoring your mother, what she did. She took care of her in her old age. All right, the last thing is there's a curse in the Bible in Deuteronomy 23.2 that talks about, this is, this is really crazy, but it talks about that this goes down to the 10th generation and it's talking about being conceived out of wedlock. And I've actually seen this at work. There was a young lady that I went to pray for. Somebody, it says in the Bible, somebody that's conceived out of wedlock, get, the parents get pregnant, Okay, they're not married, they get pregnant. They may get married later, but the baby was still conceived out of wedlock. And here's what the curse says. It says they will not enter the assembly of the Lord. Now, there was a young lady one time that her parents prayed for her. And she had been conceived out of wedlock, but then the mother got married later, became a Christian, and had children then. But it was like the other children were doing so well but this one child seemed to struggle so bad. And back then I didn't know about this curse and I didn't know a lot of the things I know now. But I remember that it just seemed like a wall was there. And this person, it's like they had a hard time coming to church and when, even when they came, they didn't receive from God. It was like there was just a spiritual wall. That's a sign of a curse. But if you ever get a... If, if somebody has that in their life, confess it as sin and break that thing. And command it to leave. And the Lord will break that open. You know what a sign of a curse? Just picture like overcast. It's like there's, there's dark clouds over somebody's life. And they're trying to connect with God, but it's like there's something there. But whenever you get it under the blood and you break it, 
It's like when the sun, have you ever seen this, where the sun starts hitting the clouds? And all of a sudden the sun, the heat of it, will poke a hole through the clouds and there'll be a ray of light come through and it starts dispelling the clouds. That's what happens when you break these curses. Somebody feels like there's a heaviness, like there's something holding them back. And then you break it and it's like all of a sudden there's a breakthrough and things begin to shine. 1 Peter 3.9, this is what I wanted to get to, these last couple things here. But it says, repay evil with blessing because this you were called to inherit a blessing. If you want things to turn around, I will pray with you. If you feel like there's a curse there, when we pray, it will be broken. That's not the problem. But you're going to have to be the one that turns it around. You're going to have to be the one that turns the whole thing around. How do you practically turn it? By your mouth. Life and death is in the tongue. I've heard story after story after story of somebody that started to bless themselves. And I saw, for example, I saw a a show on this one time, but there was a lady that was really overweight, but she kept just speaking it over herself. She was frustrated. She's... You know, she hated the way she looked and just negative, negative. And a preacher told her, said, quit doing that. And every day, every day, speak a blessing over yourself to lose weight. She came a year later and saw that pastor and she had lost like 70 pounds. And the pastor said, wow, you look great. You know, she said, you know what? She said, I didn't exercise and I didn't do anything but speak a blessing every day. She said, I did it every day. I was standing in front of the mirror and blessed myself to lose weight. I bless, you know, she would speak over herself, I bless you, that your metabolism is going to work right, you're going to lose weight. In Jesus' name, I bless you. She did it every day. I also heard a story of a man that needed a bypass surgery in his heart. Every day, he would put his hand over his heart and bless his, his heart to function perfectly and there would be a perfect flow. True story. He goes back to the doctor a time later and the doctor couldn't believe it because it was not natural but there was actually like a valve that grew and formed in his heart that allowed the blood flow. It was supernatural. <clears throat> it's the power of speaking blessings. So here's, I'm going to come back to it. Let me say one more thing and come back to that right there. But we've got to deal with any ungodly passivity. Did you know that Adam was there when Eve ate the fruit? Did you know that? He was standing right there. Sometimes there's a passivity that can be such a huge problem in people's lives. Are you hearing me? Adam knew that he was her husband. He was her authority figure. He knew that. He was a brilliant man. He knew that he was in charge. He was the authority. But he sat back passive while she went into sin. And even was willing to follow her into sin. Sometimes people, they know that they're wrong and they'll say, God, I'm sorry. But then they go out and keep doing the same thing. Just saying you're sorry, then going out continuing in sin has no merit with God. God's looking for repentance, which means change. And you know what? People sometimes will know that they need to deal with something in their life, but they keep putting it off and keep putting it off and keep putting it off. And Jesus said, if your eye offends you, man, gouge it out. It's better to go to heaven with one eye than go to hell with two. He said, if your right hand offends you, cut it off. It's better to go to heaven with one hand than hell with two. So Jesus was saying, don't be passive, be aggressive about things. If you need to deal with something, deal with it thoroughly and deal with it aggressively. Amen. Make sure that it is dealt with. I'm about to come back to blessings in just a moment, but this is important. That's the first thing. If people want change in their life, they're going to have to deal with whatever it is that's preventing the change. Because the longer they continue in that unforgiveness, the longer that they continue in that sin, the longer they continue doing, saying things, doing things that they're not supposed to be doing, things are not going to change until they're willing to change that, until they're willing to repent. That's the first step. And Satan tries to attack people with a passivity. I'm telling you. He tries to put on them this procrastination stuff. And feel like, oh, you can deal with it later. 
How do you know that you have a later? Oh, you can deal with it tomorrow. You can deal with it next week. Don't worry about it. It's always putting stuff off. That's passivity. Let me say one more thing and come back to blessings. But you know what? How, how curses and how spirits enter people's lives, unforgiveness, generational ancestral sin, traveling down bloodlines. Sometimes it's not your fault, but you inherited something. Personal sin that you came out of in the past. Maybe you were involved in the occult and witchcraft or something that opened you up to demonic spirits. Maybe idolatry. Maybe you were involved with other religions. Or maybe it wasn't your fault. You went through some kind of emotional trauma. Maybe inner vows and judgments. Let me say this. Inner vows and judgments is serious. How many times has people looked at somebody and got upset with them and said, You know what? Within themselves, they said, I will never do that. I will never be like that person. That's an inner vow and an inner judgment. Basically, you're judging them in your heart. You're setting yourself up superior to them and you're passing judgment on them in your heart, saying, I will never be like that. But you know what? Whenever people do that, it's pride. And it actually sets something up within them that they're probably going to end up falling in that area. Because it's pride. Pride comes before fall. So don't do that. And if you've done that, you need to repent. Another thing is oaths and pledges and ungodly ceremonies. In your past, were you a Freemason? Were you somebody that went through these ungodly oaths and ceremonies and rituals and Freemasonry? Or maybe other religions or maybe the occult? Was there sexual sin in your past? And sometimes people can just simply come under spiritual warfare. And it's just curses released against you in the spirit realm. But no matter what it is, in these areas... We cannot be passive. We've got to be proactive to deal with it and get the axe laid to the root. And this is what I wanted to close with was this, turning it around. You know what? If, and I've done this, but this is where passivity needs to be broken. If you see patterns in your life and you see patterns in your family that you want to change, here's what you need to do. You need to write out a blessing. Ask the Holy Spirit to give it to you. You can use scripture if you want, but you write out a blessing. And in that blessing, it's going to speak the opposite over you and your family. And every day, this is where passivity is going to be broken. Because a lot of people hear sermons like this and do it for about three days. And really spiritual people do it for about three weeks. And that's it. If you're really going to see change, you're going to have to keep doing this over a long period of time. In fact, you're going to keep doing it until it changes, and then you're going to rejoice at the change, which could take years, but you're going to keep doing it. This is where things are going to turn. Start speaking a blessing every day in those areas. If there's been chronic health problems, if there's been generational health problems, you speak, you know, people say things. Well, this runs in the family. It don't run in my family anymore. I'm born again, and my DNA is different. Amen. You know, it may have ran in that family, but I'm new birth. I'm, I'm, my DNA has changed. The Spirit of God is within me, and it's not going to be in my life. I don't go around saying that runs in the family. Okay? I believe that I'm blessed, and therefore my family and descendants are blessed. And that's what we need to be speaking. It's like stopping the old negative and start speaking the change you want to see happen. How many is going to do that? Write something out. And speak it every day. Speak it every day in your prayer time. You may take the Lord's Supper if you want. And just speak that out loud every day. And you watch over time. It will change. I gave you 60 sins in the Bible that bring a curse. It would be advantageous for you. To go through this list and pray over it. For you and your family. If you see some of this stuff in your life. Or your ancestors that were doing these things. That you pray about it and repent and get it under the blood. So let's pray about some of this stuff. You guys want to break through? Alright, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And people that are watching or listening, just agree with me. But just pray this out loud. Jesus, Jesus. by your stripes I'm healed. You became a curse for me. On the cross. I ask forgiveness. In my life. But also, but also my ancestors for all the sin, all the, sin the, rebellion, the rebellion the iniquity, the iniquity. 
if we've ever stolen from you, I repent of anti-Semitism, racism. Forgive us for foolish things that we've spoken over our lives. We renounce any ungodly anger. We break any witchcraft control. Forgive us for oppressing or harming the innocent or defenseless. We choose we're going to forgive everyone that's wronged us. We repent of legalism. Forgive us if we've dishonored our parents. Forgive us for trusting in the flesh. And we repent for any conception out of wedlock. And in Jesus' name, we break any curse off our lives right now. Anything of the devil's kingdom goes now in Jesus' name. And Lord, let your blood wash and cover me. Holy Spirit, Fill me and change me. In these areas, Holy Spirit, bring change. And Lord, let your angels tear down and destroy every work of the devil and bring a breakthrough. I thank you for it right now. In Jesus' name. I'm going to pray with people, but you know, in, in Jeremiah 17, it says about those that trust in the Lord will be like trees planted by rivers of living water, who are perpetually fruitful, leaves never wither, you know the scripture. But did you know in verse 5, it says those that trust in man will be in a spiritual wilderness. I wonder how many times, especially in America, where there's so much prosperity and wealth that people are trusting in man. Think about it. You know, people trust in the dollar. People trust in their employer, employer, employment, their 401k. Whenever they get sick, who do they trust in many times? They trust in the doctors. That's man. And it can go in any other way, but there always seems to be this trusting in man. And it causes people to go into a spiritual wilderness where they're, they're hindered. But those that trust in the Lord. That's where you start seeing breakthrough when you stop trusting in man and you start trusting in the Lord. I think the Lord grieves sometimes whenever he looks down and he sees. You know, I'll give you examples. There's, there's a church that, just talking to some of the people, wonderful people, I love them. I'm friends with them. But they were telling me about miracles and, and I was like, awesome. Yeah, I thought they were talking about real miracles, but... To them, what they were talking about was it was a miracle that you know, their church could give up this sum of money. But that, that's not a miracle because when you have large numbers, large amounts of money is not a miracle. What's a miracle is like the time David Hogan took a semi-truck full of food to Katrina and they unloaded all of it and they looked back and all the food was still in there. That's a miracle. Don't tell me taking up an offering is a miracle. And then I hear about people saying, well, you know, they, uh, they had the finances to go to a surgeon. The surgeon did whatever he needed to do. And they go, it was a miracle from God. Well, if that's the case, you know, then what about the sinner who never prayed to God, who simply just paid the doctor, the doctor did it, and then he left and never gave God. You know what I'm saying? It was just, if people are saying, well, that's a miracle. That's not a miracle. A miracle is you go, you go back to the doctor and the doctor says, that thing's gone. I don't know what happened, but it was there and now it's gone. That's a miracle. And God doesn't need our help. He doesn't need us fabricating things to make Him look good. He can do it Himself. And you know what? I think a lot of times the Lord is grieved at America because of things like that. You know, that's the type of stuff you hear in America all the time. Oh, well, God gave us a miracle. The doctor did this. That's not a miracle. Listen, I'm not against doctors, and I'm not making fun of people, but I'm just saying I don't think that sometimes people even know what a miracle is. That's not a miracle. 
A miracle is when God supernaturally does something that there's no way that it can be explained any other way. And those are the things that bring God glory. Going around saying that, you know, they had some kind of a, an offering or a surgery or something, that's not really going to bring the Lord glory. But whenever somebody goes out and they say, you know what, supernaturally, God did this, that, that brings the Lord glory. And I remember another story in Mexico where they went to feed everybody there at this conference. And they fed everybody and turned back around. They had this big pot of beans that was still as full as it was when they started dipping the beans for thousands of people. They looked at the stack of tortillas and it was just as high as it was when it began. That's a miracle. That brings the Lord glory. And we could go on and on about miracles. But I don't want to go around trying to help God by fabricating and making things up. God can do it without us doing that. He doesn't need us going around exaggerating things. He can do it. If y'all would just stand with me, we'll go ahead and move out of recordings and such and just pray. But the Lord's here.